0: Brother Herbert has a special this morning.
1: <laughs> Jesus came to but as the spoon where the crippled it wait for the water to move. A man had been laying for thirty-eight years. He asked him this question the seal rings in my ears. Will thou be made whole? Do you want a new life, will thou be made whole, then believe in Christ, do you want to be
2: washed,
1: as white as the snow, god's question to you will thou be made whole he said there's no man to help me in the pool I tried to get up there was nothing I could do Jesus said right take up thy bed and go and by his pay he was made whole. Will thou be made whole, do you want a new life? Will thou be made whole, then believe in Christ? Do you want to be one as white as the snow? God's question to you, will thou be made whole? God's question to you, will thou be made whole?
0: Brother Herbert, and uh, thank you for sharing your talents, and everyone, good Sunday school attendance this morning, great choir attendance, did notice that, and a lot of young people uh, be involved, hope I invite you back for tonight's service. Also wanted to uh, thank Brother Darren Hopper for providing the helium, we had a lot of balloons and helium and all of that thing, played with the helium a little bit, and uh, still Fill some in there and get the squeaky voice. Uh, our speaker this morning, and uh, just as I said about Brother Ed, I, Brother Joseph, I don't give up my Sunday mornings easily, And uh, but uh, you are a special friend to me, and I'm praying for you. It's a big step. Uh, he's moving That's a long ways away to Washington State. And i let him tell more about uh, what's going on there, the uh, sponsoring work. Uh, of course, he's been a friend to several in here. Even uh, uh, Brother Johnny Kilcrease went and rescued him one time whenever he had fallen and taken a tumble. And, uh, of course, his is by accident. I took my tumble on purpose and uh, didn't. I just landed wrong. And, uh, but, uh, just pray for brother Joseph again. We are his next to the last church before he heads out in the morning, uh, to, uh, fly out to meet his family. His family has been already there over a month and, uh, been having services there. It's a pretty neat story. And I'll let him, uh, tell it to you, tell about the work and then share a portion of God's word to us. Brother Joseph.
3: Hey Amen. Good morning. Uh, but thank you, Brother Michael, for allowing me to be here, and especially on Sunday morning. I'm the same way. I don't give it up very easily, but uh, uh, thank you for allowing him the privilege to do that. Uh, many of you do know me. Um, my name is Joseph Pemberton. My wife Sarah. She told me to tell you hi. And uh, Abigail and Clayton, many have asked you, oh, how's the family? Many have asked, how's the family doing? Well, Sarah is very busy. I talked to her after she got up there. She said, I think you had this all figured out. I said, well, what do you mean? Uh, She said, well, we drive 2,500 miles, Uh, we unload the U-Haul, we set the house up, she said, I get all everything swapped over, and cars, and insurance, and everything, and you fly five hours, and just live. I told her, I said, well, I did put a lot of thought in that, but no, I didn't, she's doing great, she sends her love, and Clayton's doing wonderful, everything's swapped over well for him. Uh, Abigail. Uh, My concern, I guess, was her, you know, her adjustment there. And I talked to Sarah last night on the phone, and uh, her teacher called and uh, asked uh, how, you know, to inform Sarah how things were going. They called all the parents within a week or two of school. And uh, she said, Abigail is doing wonderful. Said she's above average on her, on her level in school. Uh, so thank the teachers who, who work in, in, in here in the school system. Uh, she said she's also a diva. She said she's the cowgirl in town. She said, all the people, talk. she talks like a cowgirl, so uh, thank you for prayers for her. But the work's going great. Uh, I'll be flying out uh, 7.50 Monday morning if the plane's on time, and be landing there. It's a five-and-a-half-hour flight, and they said I'll land, the scheduled fly, uh, landing is about 5.45, 10.45, uh, two-hour time difference or two-hour ahead of us, but the work's going great. Um, I'm ready to join the field there, ready to join my family, ready to see them. Uh, but Washington State is, is a very unchurched state. Uh, it's the most unchurched state in America. Uh, Washington State, if you in the in the uh, ABA directory, it, it lists uh, only 13 churches in the American Baptist Association in the entire state, most of them on the east coast near Oregon and around that side. On the west side of, of the state where we'll be living, uh, about an hour, 45 minutes from, from the Pacific Ocean, an hour and a half south of Seattle, kind of the center part there. Uh, Very unchurched, Uh, religion's not there, you ride around in in, in the town of Centralia, Chehalis area where we'll be living, uh, very few religious cults, uh, very few people. Um, If you do a, uh, they did a survey some years ago, uh, you can find on USA polls today and in some other other areas, but it reveals that only 29% of the entire population of Washington admit to attending some type of worship service. You'll see the chart in the, on the board in the back reveals that 29%. The uh, way they did that survey was they interviewed a little over 2,000 adults, and they asked them one simple question. They asked them, uh, have you attended some type of worship service in the last six months? Uh, any type of organized religion. didn't matter if they was Buddhist or Muslim or, 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 or Pentecost or Baptist or what. If they said, yes, we have, then they classified them as churchgoers. Uh, so that's how they come up with 29%. Only 29% of the population of Washington attend some type of organized religion. If you break that down to Baptist, uh, the chart gets very small. And if you uh, chart it out to so churches of like faith and order that believe, like you and I believe, that in the Apostles' Doctrine, with the doctrine of our Lord taught in the Bible, it does not even graft. Um, Centralia area and the population of Centralia, that's the area we'll be focusing on in Chehalis. In Centralia, it's 16,500 people. Uh, That's a 10% increase in population since the year 2000. And Chehalis has a population of 7,500, which is uh, also a 4.8 increase in population since the year 2000. If you combine this population, you'll have 24,000 people. That's not counting 1,900 in Rochester, which is the 10 minutes outside of Centralia. Uh, and, and many other smaller towns that, get, that, that surround Central and Chehalis um, um, area, there are uh, 30, 35, 40,000 people. The alarming news is there's absolutely no church uh, of like faith and order in the area. No, there's not, not one. Uh, like I said, only 13 in the, in the entire state that's listed. There is some missionaries going uh, in Seattle and in, in Olympia and some other areas, northern. Uh, part of the state but very unchurched there is a bbf church in town which is called a by which is bible baptist fellowship they're independent uh if you were a member of, of of that church uh if you're a lady you're forced to wear a dress if you're a man you're forced to wear a suit and you have absolutely no say in any business any money expenses anything you absolutely have no say uh in that in that church that's very ungodly that, that's not scriptural uh it takes church authority completely out of the picture and, and freedom of worship um, there is also a southern baptist church in town many of your southern baptists from the mouth of brian sellers the mouth of, of members of the mission um, many of your southern baptist churches speak in tongues uh, they have adopted a catholicism setting with chants and 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 different um, um, uh, memorization different things that catholicism does catholicism what religion is there uh, much of it is Catholicism. It, it has more of the pie. A lot of atheism in, in Washington State, uh, and I'm going to enjoy reading that article. I've probably learned some on the way up there. A lot of witchcraft in Washington State. It's liberal. Uh, all your ideas, the evil ideas and liberal ideas that have evolved to the south, they start in Washington, uh, and evolve, uh, or northwest, I should say, and evolve here, um, legalizing marijuana, homosexual rights, uh, abortion, uh, and all those things. They evolved from the Northwest and worked themselves here. I believe the statistics of 29% can change. I really do. Uh, I really do. My goal is to see a self-supporting church in Centralia, Washington, in five years. I believe it can happen. Uh, presently, there's am uh, counting my wife and children now, and I count myself now, there will be uh, 29 people. That are faithfully that will be faithfully meeting in, in in a storefront in Centralia. The way that this started was there's a, a Jones a, a family the Jones family and the Hubbard family they got together they they tried to meet and, 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 and they went to visit the B B F church they went and visit Southern Baptist church in town and um, they're Missionary Baptists um, transplants there and so they, they said we this, we don't believe like this they tried you know there's just nowhere to go. Uh, I know our minds can't think about that in Ashley County. We, we can go here, we can go there, we can go anywhere. Uh, but up there, it's true. There was nowhere for them to go. Uh, they began meeting in their shed. If you know the winners of Washington, that wouldn't be fun. Uh, but they began meeting in their shed, having Bible studies on Sundays. And they began to grow. Uh, another family joined them, another family joined them. And so they, they, it kind of got uh, overwhelming. Overwhelming. Uh, to Brother Jones. Brother Jones called his father, which is a member of of Spokane Valley Missionary Baptist Church in Spokane, Washington, which is my sending church, which is my sponsoring church and the mission sponsoring church. And he asked his father, he said, Dad, I don't know what to do. He said, we're outgrowing the shed. It's wintertime. And what do we do? Uh, He said, I don't know. He said, but I'll talk to my pastor, Brother Brian Sellers. And um, make a long story short, in the fall of 2009, uh, Valley Church voted unanimous in business meeting to um, give them the authority uh, to meet in Centralia. They rented them a storefront in downtown Centralia, and that's where they're presently meeting. For a year and a half, they've been meeting in that storefront, praying for a missionary, praying for someone to, to come on the scene and, and, and teach them the ways of the Bible. Um, I guess for the last four years, mission work has been on my mind. I know when I first moved here, I remember talking with Brother Michael about his office. I thought I was going to South Louisiana. I really, I really was, was set on that, but I couldn't get comfortable. And now I know why. It's because God wants me in, in Washington. Uh, you say, been meeting a year and a half. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. They've been meeting a year and a half. You say, well, without a pastor, it's a new work. Uh, it is. They uh, had no pastor. They had no missionary. The way they've been viewing their having their services is uh, technology. Some people call it the work of Satan. But here's a prime instance that technology is not a work of Satan. Uh, they've been meeting. In two hours, they'll be meeting. Uh, my wife, I guess, is getting up right now. But they'll be meeting. And um, they will gather in their storefront. There will be 25, 30 people, uh, maybe more, hopefully. And they will be, they'll be watching um, their wall. <laughs> they'll be staring at their wall. And Brother Brian will be preaching to them. Um, the f- feed will be live from Spokane Valley through a sling box, um, Comcast sling box. Uh, to centralia there they will be meeting and, and and preaching listening to the preaching of god's word and and doing what uh, what you're doing now y'all pray for them uh the field is wide into harvest uh two weeks ago there were six first-time visitors last sunday five repeat and uh the lord is blessing there's been people saved watching the screen and have joined the mission joined the church and and it's really going to explode. I really believe that with all of my heart. I really believe in five years we will not be asking for any outside support. It would be organized work, uh, uh, sending out missionaries of our own. Um, right now, um, well, my salary support is from outside support is right at 65%, 75%, uh, and I'm moving tomorrow. Uh, I'm, ready to dress, I'm ready to hug my wife. I'm ready to play with my children. And, Ready to do the work that God's called me to do. I know this is God's calling on my life. Y'all pray for us. Pray that God will allow the plane to land safely. Pray that the work will do well. And pray that support will come in. Uh, If you can uh, work us in your monthly budget, thank you for that. Praise the Lord for that. But if you can't, I know sometimes churches can't do that. Uh, Do pray for us. Uh, Pray that uh, God will raise up churches that can, every little bit helps. uh, And pray, more importantly, that souls will be saved. That's what I'm going there for. Is not to build a, the biggest church in Washington or be the most famous guy in town, but just simply to do the work of God and see souls saved. See that 29% statistic transform to 30 and 32 and 45 and 50. And uh, I'll be there as, Lord, as long as the Lord wants me. Maybe in five years that church can be organized and, and uh, maybe a movie to Seattle. There's three million people in Seattle that, um, that are dying, going to hell. Dying, going to hell. Uh, uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you. for I made many friends, several friends in, here in my short term here in, in Ashley County. And you'll always be my friend. we will always be acquainted. Does anybody have any questions about the mission, about what I believe, about myself, or any questions about anything? Anything. Anything. Going once. Going twice. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, do keep us in your prayers. Pray that God will bless greatly and that our needs will be met in Washington state. You know, Romans 10 is a, to me, is a very, a very heartwarming and also saddening passage of scripture. It's heartwarming because we can understand clearly God's plan of salvation. We let us know that we have a God that reaches out to all the world to save us from sin and shame and, and and grant us access into glory through the Son Jesus Christ. But at the same time it's very alarming because we also lets us know that there's millions up out there that do not know Christ as their Savior and Lord. And the reason is is because they simply don't have a messenger. They simply don't have someone to, that is, is preaching to them the gospel story. You know, one of the major things that, 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 that made me, um, yeah, I went and view at Valley Landmark, went and view at the, at, at, at the mission, and, you know, they questioned me, and I questioned them in depth, and, uh, you know, Moving my family so far away, I don't want them to, to find out something about me or me find out something about them that's going to conflict an interest. And So, you know, long story, I asked the guy, I asked the, the, the church, I said, well, I said, if the Lord lays a burden on my heart, I said, what do you expect of me? What, what do I got to do? I always ask that question of where I've gone. And they say this, they say that. They say, do all these great and th- these things. And, and, you know, they didn't say that. One guy looked at me, Brother Kevin Bookter is 31 years old. He looked at me and said, Brother Joseph, all we, with tear in his eye, he said, all we want you to do is give us a chance and teach us the things of God. That's all he said. Teach us things of God. And here in our text, that's exactly what the apostle Paul is doing. You know, Paul is again trying to convince the Jews to understand God's plan of salvation. He's wanting to know the certainties of God's way. You know, how many times he, he the same thing that Paul has done many times before, warned them of judgment, but now he is again letting them know that it's not too late, that God hadn't given up on them, that God still desires the utmost thing for them, and that is to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. My friend, salvation solely centers around Jesus Christ. And that's what he wanted to know. It wasn't about their Judaism. It wasn't about their ceremonies. It wasn't about their rituals. It wasn't about their way of, of doing things. But it was all about the way of God and the way of Jesus Christ and, and what God had already done for them. You know, today, many are still trying to do good enough things to obtain salvation. Many are still trying to follow ceremonial laws. Many are trying to to grasp the beauties of creation. I know that's one of the major things in Washington State that that people have have, have said they don't believe in God. They worship the creation more than the Creator. Very beautiful state. But they fail to know the certainty of eternal life. They fail to know the, the perfect way that God has granted for them in order for, to, to to obtain the, the inheritance of the streets of gold, the way the place that, that I'm going to, uh hopefully very soon one day the Lord will come back and, and call me there, and you there, if you're born again. Now, my friends, I want you to know the same thing that the Apostle Paul was warning of them about is the same thing that we are to warn people about today. That's the certainty of judgment. You know, there's a lot of things that are uncertain in life. Income's one of them. You know, uh, gain is one of them. Our health is, is uncertain. One day we're healthy and the next day we're not. We are the uncertainties of life. My friends, there's one certainty that we can be guaranteed of. And that's that we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And we're all going to face the judgment of a mighty God. My friends, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Paul is, Paul is letting them know what God says uh, through the Apostle Paul. He's wanting them to know the certainties of eternal life. Notice some things with me. He speaks of the person of salvation. These Jews, are they're, 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 they're messed up in the mind. They're confused. They, they, they say, well, they've always had this certain way. They've always done these certain things. They always bowed and practice the, the, the rituals and ceremonies and doing good things and keeping the law and, and all those things. And Paul comes on the scene like he's done many times before and he warns them. Notice what it says. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish the, established, established their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the, the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteous which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But, but what sayeth it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. And thy heart is, th- that is, the word of faith which we speak. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? I want you to notice some things. First first of all, notice that, that, that Paul speaks of the person of salvation. If you're lost here this morning, I want you to know there is a person of salvation. There is a certain person that God has informed the world about. He's always spoke about Him from the beginning of time, and He will always speak about Him throughout eternity. The person that can save our souls, the person that grants to us the the, the greatest thing that can ever be granted, the only thing that everybody that has ever been born wants, and that is to live forever. My friends, that can happen through the person of salvation. But He starts it out. He lets another person, but He begins to reveal. He starts it all out by revealing them Israel the Jews their state of mind first of all folks verses 1 through 4 he lets them know they are lost and on their way to hell folks Paul's overall desire was for one thing and that is for his brethren his kinsmen to come to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ my friends our desire I believe many of God's people are losing sight of that desire That desire to see people come to know Christ. Come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior Lord. We all have family, don't we? Moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, family. Is that our desire for them? Is that our overall desire? Is that they might be saved? Romans 9, 1 and 3 says, but I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness. Notice the apostle Paul. That's what led him to do, to do the work that God wanted him to do all of his life. He said, my my heaviness and continual sorrow. I have great heaviness. And continual sorrow. It wasn't a morning thing. It wasn't a Sunday thing to him. It was an everyday thing of life. His heart was full of heaviness, and his heart was sorrowful for one thing. And for for I could wish that myself were a curse for Christ, my brother, that my kinsmen, according to the name. His desire was for his the lost souls that he knows is to come to know the Lord and Savior as, as, as their Lord. Is that all? do we have that? Is our hearts heavy? Do we have that desire to see people come to know the, the, the Jesus Christ the way we do? I'm never gonna die. Did you know that? You said, well, well, ago, you said, physically, yes. Physically, my, my, spirit will depart. I'll be dead and put me in a grave somewhere. Sarah asked one time, where you want to be? I don't care. <laughs> I could care less. Folks, but the body says to be abs- the Bible says to be absent from the body. To be present with the Lord. I'm never going to die. You can't lapse time there. It's a miraculous thing to go and to be in the presence of God. My friends, but thousands and millions and millions of people upon the earth, are they don't know the God that we know. They don't know the Savior as we know Him. The greatest need among God's people today, it's not buildings, it's not money, it's a truth, harsh desire to win the lost. Friends, that's what God's churches have got to come back to. That harsh desire to reach out to the damned and, and let them know Christ as and teach them the Christ that we know. That's the desires we have to have. You know, may we truly see them, the multitudes, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family. May we start to, again, to see them for who they are. You know, we, we, what do you see when you see people? <laughs> we see welders. We see farmers. We see a mom. We see a dad. We see a school teacher see people who work with the, with the needy. We see a black person. We see a white one. We see an Asian. We see a Filipino. God just sees the soul. God sees the souls of men. And my friends, if we're ever gonna make a difference in life, if we're ever gonna make a, if you're ever gonna make a difference in Hamburg, or excuse me, continue to make a difference in Hamburg, and if I'm ever gonna make a difference in Washington, friends, we gotta to begin to see people in the condition that they're in. Friends, that's exactly what the Lord and Savior, uh, the Bible entails, and tells us, that's what God sees. In John 3, 18, he informed them, he said, he that believeth on him is not, con- is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Friends, that's the state of the lost mind, of the lost heart. In verse 36 of the same chapter, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But we got to see people in their state of mind, where they're at, where they are. On a road headed to a devil's hell. Israel misunderstood. They're lost. Paul goes back to inform them. Why, why are they lost? They done heard the story. They done heard about Jesus. They've heard the preaching of God's Word time and time again. Well, why? Same reason I lived lost for 20-something years. Misunderstanding the perfect way. Misunderstanding the simple way, verse 2 and 3, Israel had a zeal of God. That word zeal is simply an intense enthusiasm. They had an intense enthusiasm of God. And my friends, that's what's wrong with America. America's claiming to be the most religious nation, and they are. They have a zeal, many millions in America have a zeal of God. But my friends, just like Israel, it's not according to knowledge. It's not according to to what the Bible says and what the Father informs us of. My friends, are you lost this morning? Do you have a zeal of God? But not according to knowledge. That's exactly the state of Israel. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind they have taken us away. You see, Israel tried to gain access to God by their works of flesh and keeping His law. The same way millions are doing today. There is this cults that surround you, the religious people that surround you misunderstanding the perfect way of God. Hebrews eleven six 6 lets us know that we must have faith in, in who God is and, and what God has done and what God will do. My friends, that's what brings salvation. Having a faith in who God is, what He's done, and what He will do. Friends, I believe with all of my heart that God is going to come soon one day and call me home and allow my body to, to enter the street of gold and, and, and a glorified state and, and be there with Him throughout all eternity. Because I've just accepted who He is. My friends, many today are simply not understanding His way. Ephesians 2.8.9 makes it clear that salvation is not about what we do, but about what Jesus has already done for us. He tells them to stay in Israel. You're doomed. You're going to the devil's hell. My whole heart's desire is that you'll be saved. He lets them know that they're misunderstanding God's way. And my friend then, He speaks of the person that can bring them to glory. Friends, this is what we got to get back to the person of glory, the person of Scripture. The person that, that paves the way for all to be saved. He speaks of a way he clearly in verses five through fifteen reveals some things that will not work for them, that they've been striving to to, to meet. They've been striving to, to come to a point to that, that God will say, Well, hey, this is good enough, or, or this will work, and he reveals some things that, that will never gain them access. And my friends, I believe in my ministry, I've seen many people desiring this, trying to use these same ways that God is going to override their, the, 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 they hadn't been a terrible person, so God's going to use their, their good works. He's going to use them to, to override their bad friends. It doesn't work that way. It never has, and my friends, it never will. So what, what are some things? First of all, verse 5, He lets them know it's not about your law. It's not about the law. Bible lets us know that, doesn't it? Bible says the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, to bring us to Christ. In other words, it teaches us. You know, when I read, the, when I read the, the law of the Bible, you know, when I read the Ten Commandments or other parts of Scripture that informs me of life, of good and bad, what I find out is I, you know, how many of you ever stole anything? I'm the only thief here this morning. <laughs> we have all stole something. I remember as a child, my mom drove an embarrassing long station wagon. And I remember pulling up to the Circle B discount store in Dangerfield, Texas. And daddy only worked. Mama never worked. Didn't have a lot of money. And we always bought. Mom just always went in and bought the bare necessities. And I wanted some gum. I was young. I wanted a piece of gum. I said, Mom, can I have gum? And she said, No, son. No, son, no gum. You know. Went around shopping. Well, she went down this aisle. I took tail and run around the other aisle. Went back, got me a piece of gum i just just chewing away on that gum. We got to the car, and I'm sitting over there, and she looks at me. She said, son, where'd you get that gum? And I said, well, I got it right there at that store. That cashier gave it to me. And she said, well, let's see. She grabbed me by my ear, drugged me in there. <laughs> Talked to her. She said, no, I didn't give it to him. And what'd that make me? Made me a thief and a liar. I've been that way ever since. But thank God. That He gave the shedding of the, His Son's blood. Gave His Son to die. Re- that they, He can take that away from me. And, and, and be the propitiation for my sin. That, that He could take the, the, the sins of my, of my life and, and, and cover them in the blood of Christ. And give me access in the glory. I'm a thief and a liar. But God's righteousness, my friends, is what God sees when He looks down on me. In the same way with you, it's not about the law. You can't be good enough. You can't do those things. He lets us know in verse 6 and 7 that it's not about signs and wonders. In verse 8 and 10, He lets us know that a simple surrender to the person of Jesus Christ. And my friends, if you're lost this morning, that's exactly the way you can be saved. It's surrendering to the person of Jesus Christ. Just recognize with your, mind, with your, with your heart who Jesus is. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Confess Him with your mouth. And my friends, God will eternally save and secure your soul. That's what He says. I believe the Bible. Notice, it talks about the mouth. That the mouth must confess. Let's read that. For thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved with the heart. Man believeth in the righteous with the mouth. Confession is made of salvation. Word confess. You know, I'm not one that believes in this easy believism stuff. I just don't. Confess, the word confess means to say the same thing to confess, to say the same thing. What it means is you're saying the same thing about the Son that the Father says about Him. And what the Father has said about the Son, He told Israel He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's the sacrifice for all sin. He's the atonement uh, for all mankind. He is the way. And my friends, that's what God is trying to tell us all today. He's trying to tell them in Hamburg. He's trying to tell them in in Oregon. He's trying to tell them in Washington State. He's trying to tell the whole globe that Jesus Christ... Is the Lord of Lords and that He is the King of Kings. And my friends, you cannot be saved until you see Christ as his Father sees him, as that person of salvation. But then the Bible talks about the heart. You see, the heart is the center of all thoughts. The heart is the deepest and most sacred part of us. The heart is what drives us to be who we are. You know, you know, everybody said, Well, just follow the heart. Whoa, David did that, didn't he? Wanted to kill Abigail's father, didn't he? His heart told him to. My friends, follow the Lord. When He brings into your heart, when the Father brings the knowledge of salvation to you, when He draws you, when the heart moves you to be saved, when through the Spirit of God, and your heart believes... The innermost seat of emotion, of affection. The most sacred part of you when it believes. Guess what? Your mouth can't help but to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He made some promises. In verse 11, He assured you that you'd be saved. He assures you, He will save you. In verse 10, He accepts you as His Son. The Bible talks about the adoption of sons. You'll become into the family of God. Verse thirteen, He promised you amnesty. He'll pardon you. He'll give you that the promise of life. He he talks about uh, the provisions. He he talks about a preacher. And my friends, I thank God for places like Ashley County. I do. You know there is a lot of churches here that's doing a lot of good work for God. There's also a lot of places around the world, my friends, that ain't got them. You know, as Paul informs them, he ends it up. He says, "How can they hear without a preacher?" You know what a preacher is? You say, "Oh, that's Brother Michael. He's a preacher." Amen. He is. Oh, that's you. That guy that gets loud and sweats and spits. And huh, praise God, I'm glad he called me. But my friends, that should be every one of you. Preacher simply a proclaimer. We're bishops. You know God called us to be bishops, folks. Let's tell the story. Proclaim the light, be the salt, do the work. Washington State is the most unchurched state in America. y'all pray for me as I go to them. Hey how a preacher. Do you know what the most? At 29%, I'll close with this. Do you know what the most church, most church state in America is? You know what it is? You're saying Arkansas, right? It's not. Believe it or not, it's Louisiana. At 50, only 56%. According to the survey, you can read it in the back if you don't believe me. Arkansas is only 47. <laughs> it's not many, is it? Over half of the state of Arkansas says they do not attend any type of religious service on any given Sunday. What does it let me know? Our work is great. Our work is great. And of heart, our hearts have got to get back to where they're full of heaviness and continual sorrow. For the people of the world that are dying and going to hell. It's real, friends. It's a real place. Do you believe it? Do you know Christ? Are you saved? If you don't know, we're going to have an invitation. Brother Michael will be up here. Hey, Brother Michael, I don't know. I'm lost. I need to be saved. He'll show you how. You say, I'm confused. I've been a member of this church all my life. I'm, I, I, I don't know. He'll show you the Scripture that will let you know. saved. Confirm it. Join me in heaven. One day, very soon, I believe my feet will enter that gate of pearl. Can you imagine that? A gate of pearl. Pearls are beautiful. Very beautiful. We're going to enter that gate of saved people. We're going to enter that gate. (laughs) We're going to have the privilege of walking our hand across walls of light jasper and precious stone. We're going to walk on a street of transparent gold. Enter a city made of 12 foundations of transparent gold. Gold that's so pure you can gaze through it. And the greatest thing, we're going to see Jesus. And His beauty is going to be like a light we've never seen. It's going to shine throughout the beauty of that city. And His beauty will overpower. The beauty of the pearl and of jasper and of gold. We'll see Him for who He is. Will you see Him? Will you join me? If not, come this morning as we stand for invitation, Brother Michael.